might be familiar with the name Evan Gershkovich, uh, a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. Late last month, he was arrested in Russia. He is now facing espionage charges in Russia, charges that both the Wall Street Journal and the United States government vehemently deny. Uh, he appeared in court last week and was denied bail, so he remains behind bars. He could see as much as 20 years in prison if ultimately he's convicted. Um, there's been a full court press uh, demanding his immediate release. Government, news agencies from all around the world, human rights groups, freedom of press champions, you name it. Everybody making a big, big push to try and get him out of jail unsuccessfully so far. Also joining those calls, of course, his friends, his family, his colleagues, they've all worked tirelessly on his behalf, and I'm sure they will continue to do so. Um, we're going to speak with Jeremy Berkey, who is the best friend of Evan Gershkovich. He joins us now. Jeremy, did I get the last name correct? Is it Burke or Berkey? Uh, it's Burke, but gotcha. yeah, okay. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Um, no problem. Let's just start by establishing your, your, your relationship with Evan. You've, you've known him for a while. How did you two come to, to meet, and uh, what's your relationship like today? Sure. So Evan and I met in freshman year of college uh, way back in 2010. So, you know, he's one of my oldest and, and closest friends. Um Following college, we had the opportunity to to travel together. Um, Evan was working in Thailand at the time, and I was backpacking. So um, we had a, a wonderful experience together. And you know, travel sort of bring, really brings out the best and the worst in friendships. And luckily, uh, it strengthened our relationship very much. Um, after we returned to the U.S., we moved in together in in Brooklyn um, and lived together for two years before Evan departed for Moscow in late 2017. Um, you know, as with adult life uh, and, and living in different countries, you know, your relationship and your contact gets a little more sporadic. But, um, you know, Evan and I worked really hard to stay in touch. And every time he came back to New York, he stayed on our couch. Uh, you know, he visited my family, I visited his family. And so, uh, you know, despite the ocean between us, we've remained very close friends. And, and you know, during Evan's detainment, this is actually the longest we've been out of touch uh, in, in, in those years. How would you describe him? Uh, what kind of a guy is he? Um, what what took him into journalism and then overseas to, well, he wasn't based in Russia, but he was doing a lot of work there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Evan in his personal life, he is the most gregarious, extroverted, a uh, little bit goofy friend you could ever ask for. Um, he, he's always the life of the party and always in, in all the best ways that entails, right? Like he runs the center of the room. He wants to introduce everyone to everyone. He loves to chit chat. Um, and he's just constantly go, go, go. And, and he really likes to have fun. Um, so he's just got, got this goofy personality that, you know, makes everyone honestly fall in love with him. Um, in his professional life, however, Evan is – driven, dedicated, and, and truly serious about his work. Evan's parents immigrated to the U.S. in the late 1970s from the Soviet Union. And Evan himself felt like he really, you know, both because he spoke the language and because he was fluent with Russian culture, felt like he had a mission to tell the stories that Russian people wanted told. And not only that, explain the changes that Russia was undergoing to the Western world in a way that made sense. He, he was dedicated to that mission. He loved that mission. And, you know, unlike most other foreign correspondents who, who tend to kind of remain at arm's length with the people they're covering, Evan dove fully into life in yeah. Moscow when he lived there. He, uh, you know, he had all his favorite bars and restaurants. He, he went to the saunas and, you know, he tried to encourage us to visit all the time. Um, and, and unfortunately, we, we couldn't make it happen. And, 
um, you know, now it seems like that'll never happen, which is, you know, one of the greatest shames that, that I carry with me for the past couple of years. Was it focused on the people of Russia? Was he into the politics? Was he into the economics or all of it? What what Russian stories was he trying to tell for the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, it, it was all of the above, right? Um, when he when he first moved to Russia, he worked for the Moscow Times, uh, which is a small English language newspaper, and he was really focused on business and economics. But you know, the stories he loved to tell were the stories of daily life of the people. Like he he really sort of you know, imbued himself in the culture there and could tell those stories and tell the stories of regular Russian people that you don't often hear. Now, obviously, with the outbreak of the Ukrainian war, you know, the tilt of his stories changed. He broke some very impactful stories about troop movements, uh, you know, real hardcore war reporting. He was one of the first reporters to report that uh, Belarus was supporting Russia in the war effort. But at the same time, you know, he didn't let go of his true passion and his true love for people. I mean, one of you know, my favorite story that he wrote was uh, he went back to Moscow. He was, he was living in London at the time, just based on the situation for journalists. And he went back to Moscow, went back to this, all the same clubs and bars and restaurants and talked to the bands he used to see, the bartenders and all the people he knew and was friends with about what life was like under this new world where Russia was at war. Um, so he really kept that suffused in this coverage. Now, of course, he's facing these charges of espionage. Uh, the Russian authorities say that journalism was, in fact, just a cover. For, for what he was really up to inside of Russia. What, I mean, I'm sure you, like most people, uh, uh, say this is absolutely ridiculous, but, but what is your reaction to this news? Evan is innocent, full stop. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to be very careful about, you know, criticizing an ongoing judicial process, but Evan is innocent. I, 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 there's just no way, shape, or form he was a spy. It is actually illegal for the American government to use foreign correspondents as spies in the first place. So that is not something they would ever do. And Evan was dedicated to his job. And I think the biggest injustice of this is that he actually loved Russia and the Russian people. He was not an enemy of Russia. He he, he wanted the better for, for all those people there. And he was really just doing his job and trying to tell these stories. And unfortunately, um, he, he's you know now being made an example of um, for... Uh, you know, some ongoing diplomatic issues that, uh, you know, <laughs> frankly, he, he was not in a position to influence and, and were not his responsibility, and he was just doing his job. Um, have you had a chance? He's been in jail for, I think it's about a month now, right? He appeared in court last week. Have you spoken to him? Do you know if anybody's had an opportunity to speak with him? I mean, what's his status right now as he's incarcerated in Russia? Yeah, so Evan's been uh, detained for 26 days now today. Um, I, I have not been able to speak with him. I, I've written him a letter that uh, I've been insured will get to him. All the letters have to be translated into Russian and then delivered to him. And, you know, there's a long bureaucratic process mm-hmm. to get them there. Um, one letter he wrote uh, was able to get to his mother. Um, and, and so his mother had heard from him. And from what we understand, we, we're pretty clear that those are his words. He, he addressed the letter with a nickname that his parents used to call him. And he actually joked that, uh, you know, the breakfast his mother used to prepare him before school <laughs> prepared him well for prison food. So so we're, <laughs> we're very clear that a sense of humor remains, that he is, you know, uh, he, he's taking this on the chin and he's just trying to get through it. Um, we're hopeful that we'll be able to get more communication as we put systems in place with the legal team working on heaven's behalf uh, to just get a more regular cadence of letter writing back and forth, for sure. Yeah, that, that must be incredibly frustrating, though, right? It's almost a helpless feeling where you're trying to, to reach out and, and, and check in, and it's so hard to do, Jeremy. 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, you know, prior to about four weeks ago, I hadn't, I had little thought about how to get stuff and how to make someone's life comfortable in solitary confinement in a Russian prison. Um, and that's basically consumed, you know, my entire world for the past four weeks. It's, it's, it's really hard, um, even for all his friends at home, just mentally knowing what he's going through um, and trying to do our best. You know, whether or not it's helping, just trying to speak out and raise awareness and do what we can on the ground to ensure that Evan's name stays in the news, that this doesn't yeah. become just a headline that people gloss over, that we remember he's a wonderful human being who does not deserve this and, and needs to come home. Yeah, exactly. And keeping it in the forefront is about all we can do at this point. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck as we go forward. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity.